And we're live. Uh, before we get into today's episode, a quick reminder, we just started our Patreon channel where we have bonus content, the ability to get in touch with John and I live, um, phone calls, we'll do live call-ins to the show. All content goes up there early. What else am I missing? Just a, basically, there's going to be a, a new level of access to us and um, all of our favorite loyal listeners that have been with us for years will have the chance to really just get in touch and and be a part of the community and the show that we've built for three or four years. We had the, the Patreon channel three or four years ago, and then when we stopped doing the show, obviously that, that ended, but um, now we're back in, in full throttle. So go to patreon.com slash the oddest couple podcast. It'll also be linked in the description of this video. We already have our live show that's up there, so go check it out. Um, John and I are very excited if you want to say a few words about the Patreon channel, which I know you're, uh, you're excited to have back. Yeah, I want a lot of questions about today's show about their father. Oscar Lugo, I want Lena. anybody that's uh, anybody that's in legal department, anybody that's involved with politics. Uh, I want as many questions as you can possibly ask or help in uh, getting him free. So it's a it's a very important show to me, and people know I've been talking about it for the last year. So uh, pay attention and see what we have to say, and any input that you can help to help us, uh, greatly appreciated. So we're sitting with two of your dad's daughters we have ashley and brianna thank you guys for for coming in today um obviously it's a it's a hard topic to talk about uh you know a source of tremendous pain i think for if you don't mind ashley to give us a little bit of a uh, a summary of the story for people that are not familiar out there i think you'd probably be you guys would probably be the best to, to be able to do that so my father, Oscar Lugo, he was sentenced to 440 years for a nonviolent drug charge, basically off of he said, she said. They have no days, times, locations, wiretaps, evidence. He wasn't even in the state of Pennsylvania during alleged crime. Um, what happened was, was his cousin got caught with cocaine and the cops were basically asking him, whose drugs are these? Are these Oscar Lugos? And he basically said that these dr the drugs that he has on him that he got caught with are not Oscar Lugos, but he has bought drugs from my father in the past. So with him mentioning my father, saying that he has bought him from the past, they asked him how many um, times have they, him and my father been in contact with each other. And he said at least like 90 times. And that's how he got the 90 times charged, which is his sentencing sentencing is this this would be did you give him my number no okay mm -mm. just want to make sure he'll call you on your phone yeah I'll call sorry to interrupt phone. you yeah, no. just want to make sure um yeah so he basically got all caught up in this over a family member which was his cousin um who got caught with the drugs and they basically threatened him and told him that if he doesn't take the rap for it that he's going to do a long jail time sentence and he ended up going against my father and putting all these drugs against my father and saying that these were his just because he has bought drugs for my father in the past and he has been in contact with my father in the past. So when did this happen? This was in 2002, year 2002. And at the time he was living in Puerto Rico. Let me, and I'll give you a little update for the people that don't know as much. And sometimes it's, Obviously, they don't do shows, so they're not going to uh, articulate as much as not understanding that you don't know as much. 
and I'll explain some more. Um, so his due process wasn't done properly. He never received his due process to fight evidence in, in the court system, first. Second, it's illegal to put a group of witnesses in the same room to get their story together, which they did to the, to his, the witnesses against their father. The prosecutor and the police both left their witnesses in the room to decide and, and talk about how they were going to corroborate their stories together. Obviously, completely illegal. The case should have been thrown out just for that. We'll go from there. So, you, and you guys were how old at that time? I believe I was like seven, eight years old. Yeah. I wasn't even born yet. Yeah. He actually got, arrest, he actually got arrested the day I was born. Wow. Yeah, so that was 2004 yeah. was, when he was yeah. coming back from Puerto Rico. The FBI was, they were actually on the airplane and they were watching him and following him. And when he touched down to here, after everyone got off the plane, they he already knew that they were following him and he already knew that, that like, that was it. Like, he wasn't going to run from them anymore. So he came over here to come see his daughter, Brianna, be born. And during all that, during that process, that's when the FBI ended up getting him from the airport. Now, the FBI dropped his case, mm -hmm. for the people who don't know. For the FBI to drop a, a criminal case against anybody, they felt there was no evidence. They thought it was frivolous. They thought the case wasn't going anywhere. They said, well, there's nothing here. They didn't bother with trying to prosecute the case. They actually let it go because there was no reason to have this case. Yeah, they ended up dropping the case because they had no chart. They had no evidence, no nothing. And then that's when the state, Pennsylvania and Delaware, picked up his charges and ended up charging him two times for the same crime, which is why he has that enormous sentence. Everyone's like, how does he have 440 years? It's because they picked up one charge and doubled them, which is double jeopardy, which is another thing that we're fighting in court. So now we have your Hello? dad. Hello? We're, we're, yeah, you're on speaker, you're live. Put, let's put it. Put it in your mic. Put it in my mic, okay. All right. Hey, Oscar, how are you? John here. Felix is here. And uh, we want you to give a, a quick rundown of your case while we have you on the phone from Cole Prison Penitentiary. Okay. Um, first and foremost, I want to thank everyone, you know, for your time and the effort to advocate for me, John. You know, it means a lot to me, you know, and um, you guys are my advocates out there. You guys are my voice out there. You know, I've been trying to put my case out there for a long time so everybody can hear the injustice that went on with me in Pennsylvania. And um, in 2004, I was charged with racketeering in section with intent and um, with 93 count, which at the time I was living in Puerto Rico. And they um, they charged me here in Pennsylvania with those charges. Um, I went to trial. I went to trial in um, 2017. And... Um, I had a jury trial, and I was found guilty of all charges, on all charges, and I was sentenced to um, 440 years. And in the light of that, as I went through my appeal process, I started finding out things about my case that my witnesses were all coerced and threatened to testify against me and, you know, fabricate evidence against me. And as, you know, I kept on doing research and looking for um, information about my case. And I started finding my court dockets and I started seeing all this evidence on there. That's when it, I started finding out that these witnesses were taught and coerced. And then as time went 
five, these witnesses, these witnesses have came forward and confirmed everything that I found out. And two of them came forward and um, stated that what I found out was true because they came and said that, yeah, that they were threatened, they were coerced, and they wanted to give up, to make sure that they gave the stories in trial, to make it, make it, make everything believe. That's how they wanted the story to be told on, in trial. Well, Oscar, so, let me cut you off. Let me reiterate something. How much violence did they catch on this case? None. No violence whatsoever. Huh? No violence whatsoever in this case. How many weapons did they receive? AK-47s? Anything? Did they confiscate anywhere? No weapons. No weapons. No weapons. No violence. How much no violence do you have violence. since you've been in jail 20 years? One more question. How many kilos did they confiscate from your house, from your apartment, from your from your work? Zero. Zero drugs. Nothing. Nothing. They, they didn't even... It's amazing. They never went to none of my, my, my houses, none of my, my business that I, that, that I own at the time. They never had a... They never went and searched nothing. None of my cars. Nothing. They never had no search one. They never had even a search one for me at the time. And... I became a person of interest. And due process... This is a call from Pennsylvania State Correctional Institution, Cole Township. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. Due process. How come they didn't allow you evidential hearings, due process hearings? Well, yeah. Well, I came from Delaware because they had me in Delaware. The feds brought me to Delaware. And then while I was in Delaware, they, they charged me for racketeering as well because the feds had me with racketeering all the way around. So... When the feds looked at my case, the feds said that they didn't have, there was nothing on this case. It was all a hearsay case. So the feds turned me over to the state. Each state grabbed a case. So while I was in Delaware, I came with an interstate agreement of detainers to Pennsylvania. And, when, and since, um, that was November 5th, 2005, I was transferred to, to, to Pennsylvania. I sat in Pennsylvania from that time till I started trial without any due process. I never seen Pennsylvania, never... Never, I never went in front of a judge to break, to read my charges, to get fingerprinted or anything. I never received any due process whatsoever. I never had no preliminary hearing, no arrangement, nothing. I uh, went straight to trial. Oscar, I, even, I even came and filed a boost. What's your heritage? Excuse me? What's your heritage? What's your background? What are you? Italian? I'm, I'm, Puerto, I'm Puerto Rican. I'm Puerto Rican. I know, but I'm. <laughs> I want. I know what you. Are. I want people to understand what's going on here. So, uh, my last, my last question: the police officer that was involved, didn't he have his sister that was illegally getting involved and in seeing witnesses and and doing illegal buys for them? Yes. Yeah, that was Al Loman. He had his sister doing illegal buys. And then when they found out that he had his sister doing legal buys, that's when they came and brought Christina Aviles into the picture. And that's why he couldn't testify in my trial. But I didn't know that. I knew something happened with him, but I couldn't get that information. I came to find out that. I came to find out about that after Christina Aviles came and signed that affidavit and came in forward and, and gave us that information. Do you have any stats of how many whites compared to black and Spanish were arrested in Chester by this, uh, p these police officers and this judge and prosecutor? Did, do we have those stats yet? Well, not, not yet, but I'm, I, I got some of them already. Like, um, there's a case on this Salvador. Pennsylvania State Correctional Institution, Cole Township. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. Yeah, I have my family member looking at these stats, 
But I know one case is leaving Salvador. That's a case too that he, he sentenced him to. And um, there's a lot, a lot more different that you can see from how he sent, how he used to sentence black and Spanish towards white people. It's totally different. His sentencing, his sentence, his sentencing guideline was totally, totally different. Some of the politicians that just came to see a cold prison. What were some of the names that were speaking out in your behalf, and hopefully we'll do something about what's going the injustice. Do you remember some of the names? Well, I spoke, yes, I spoke to um, Austin Davis, the lieutenant governor from Pennsylvania, and um, he, he advised me. He was surprised. He was shocked to hear my sentence, and he just, like, like he wanted me to repeat it again and how much time did I, did I receive in Pennsylvania. So I repeated it again that I had 440 years of this, that his state of Pennsylvania gave me 440 years. And out of his own word, he said, can you repeat that against me? And I did. And he advised me to go ahead and file commentation. Commentation, and if I still have my appeal, to, to still, you know, continue with my appeal. But he, he, he advised me to do that. And then I, the Senator Camaro Barletta, as well, that you personally talked to her as well. I talked to her. I talked to um, the former lieutenant governor. Um, oh, my God. I can't remember his name right now. I talked to an attorney. Terry Highbar as well. Okay. Um, there was a couple of people that was there that, that I can't remember offhand right now. I think I wrote them to you. Yeah, they, you you wrote them. Like, I just they, wrote... were just, they were just shocked. They were just shocked. You know, they were just shocked when they was going around the room. They were just already know like there was this guy there with four hundred forty years. They were wanted to find out who was that guy because they never heard no such thing like that. Do you know how many years El Chapo got between all his murders, all the drugs that? Thousands of kilos that were sold around the world. Do you know what his sentence was? Yeah, Chapo, Chapo yeah, Joaquin, Joaquin and Chapo just received 125 to, to, to life in prison. I just Joaquin want people to understand, I want people to understand the injustice of what they're doing to you out of vindictiveness and, and out of racial despair. That's that, that's the only difference. If somebody wants to know yeah. if there's something that's going on in this country that needs to be fixed, you're the first case that they should be brought up. Obviously, with no violence, no kilos caught, no guns, no AK-47s, no murders, no no sort of violence at all. The, the federal government dropped the case because there's no evidence. They thought it was nonsense. And yet you're sitting in a jail for 440 years, uh, not seeing your kids and your grandkids. Uh, you know, Hopefully some of these people that came to the prisons, the political people that saw you uh, and gave you some hope, they're going to do something about it. And the more people that are watching this, listening to this, uh, please contact your Congress people, Assembly people, Senators, or anybody else in Congress about the injustice. Hey, Oscar, Felix yeah. here. I have a quick question. How do you, from psychologically, right? And you know, we're here with with your beautiful family, and they obviously um, love you so deeply. How do you, you know, maintain hope through this whole process every day? Well, it's it's like it's like a wound. You get used to carrying it with you every day it never heals but you just get used to carrying it and it's, that's how I've been and it's, a, it's, it's hard at times because I see my kids I left my kids when they were little kids and left, I left, left them they were babies my one daughter Brianna she was born the same day I got locked up and now she's a grown woman my daughter I left her at 7 years old um, Ashley I left her at 7 years old you know I got grandkids that I haven't even had a chance to play with them you know and my other two other oldest daughters as well Natalie Lugo and Elena Lugo. You know, I got four daughters, two grandkids and two granddaughters. And I haven't even, they, I left them as little girls and now they're grown women, you know? And, and it's been hard for me because, you know, it's, it's frustrating seeing the years go by and seeing my kids grow up 
and I'm not being able to be there with him and help him out, you know what I mean, and guide him. And, you know, it's just, it's just you know, it's, it's hard at times. It's, you know, it's frustrating, you know, and it just, you know, it hurts a lot. It hurts, you know, and I've just been blessed that, you know, they have grown now to be the person they, they become and are there to help me out now because the only hope that I had was waiting for them to grow into the woman that they became to be able to help me out and be my voice out there because at the time I didn't have nobody, you know what I mean? So now they, they're the ones that, you know, grown, gotten to where they are right now and being my advocates out there. Yeah, and here I'm going to pass you to John for a second. Make sure you put it close to the phone. Oscar, so... Yeah. You're in a you're in a special unit. What's that? You why are you in that special unit right now? I'm in an honor block. You know, because of my behavior, and I'm not a I'm not a trouble to the institution. I'm, you know, my record. You know, and I'm in an honor block right now. But you know, just like, but it's all long term. People that got a lot of time. So I'm in this honor block right now. But you're 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 in an honor and block. I've been, I've been I've been on an honor block. I've been on an honor block since. The beginning of my, my sentence because they seen that I was never been a threat. I've never been what they said I was. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. You, really been the, 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 you're in an honor block since uh, this case started. You have no violence since then. Yeah. And you're no. exemplary to the prison system, to young inmates. I'm just trying to understand why more people haven't come out and advocated to free you at this point. Do you, do you have any ideas why nobody has come forward? In, in the government? I don't know. I, I question that myself sometimes. I'll be like, how like somebody don't see that how can someone receive 440 years and not see that there's an injustice there, there's something wrong there. And you know, like, they can look at my background and they can look at my, my family and they can see this, this, I'm not, I'm not the person that they, they, they you know, I don't, I don't think I deserve to die in here for, for a non-violent drug case. This guy, this guy's in here, they got violent case and they paroling them and releasing them every day. And I'm like, like my case, I'm like, it just, it just confused me, it, it's confused. And it's like in Pennsylvania, you get more, more time for drugs, a non-violent drug than, than for murder. Yeah, I, I, I wanna put your daughter Brianna on for a second and uh, let her say a couple of things to people that are listening. Um. I think not having, growing up and always just seeing these picture-perfect families or seeing friends with dads in their life is, is a beautiful thing. And to not have that hurts. And to have my mom and my sister be mom and dad for my whole life is a blessing and being able to at least still know my dad and at least get that 15 minutes on the phone. It, it's not the same, but it's the best I could get. So if I could take that, that's that's what I want. Um, right now I'm going to school to um, actually be a lawyer in the future to end and fix the system, try my best to change what, whatever I possibly can help these inmates with these sentences come home to their families to not deal with the pain me and my sister had to deal with. Um, it, it's just really hard to just to just keep pushing through day by day 
without my father home. It, it's hard. And to get an email from him brightens up my day, and that's, that's all I can really... Oscar, are you able, are you able to call back? I gotta wait half hour. It's gonna be hard for me. All right. Time. All right. Everybody sends their so love the best. Thank everyone. I want to thank everyone. Thank everyone and for believing and trusting in me. You know. I'm lost for words right now. I just want to thank everyone. You know, it just means so much to me. Thank you, John. You're welcome. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Okay. All right. Love you. Bye. There's actually not an excuse. There's actually not an excuse that anybody in, in a political government position should have at this point with this man's case. Not because his daughters are sitting next to me, not because it's your father. There is absolutely no reason he should be in there this amount of time. And somebody in the political field needs to come out, speak up, and have him an immediately release whether it's the governor of, of Pennsylvania or somebody else, whether it's the president, somebody needs to release this man. There is no danger to anybody in this, in this society, within the prison system, outside the prison system. For him, there's no reason he's in there. When you're talking about El Chapo and what goes on around the world with a 125-year sentence, with all kinds of violence, murder, mayhem across each country, this is a local guy that was never caught with any kind of drugs, with illegal activity done within the police department, the prosecutor's department, putting witnesses together. This is the most incredible case I've ever ran across, and that's why I haven't let go of this case, and I won't let go of this case. As someone who was in the system for so long, I mean, even if we can't understand the why, what's your, what's your best guess as to why this is the situation? From a, from a purely legal standpoint, like you think it's just a complete abuse of power, abuse of power Ab and abuse racial of, uh, abuse of power, racial. It was definitely racially motivated. Uh, corrupt police officers that ruin it for the, the the good police officers. A system in Pennsylvania that is known to be corrupt. It was is it one of the fifty worst? Uh, one of the worst fifty eight or sixty something uh, of corrupt uh, that are locked up. Actually locked up. The politicians themselves being arrested, and and egos. Mm -hmm. That they will not admit that they, that that they did wrong in so many ways, and they're trying to bury the case, so nobody get, so this doesn't come out. And the more they try to bury it, the more we're going to bring it out. It's not going to get buried. This man has no business. He doesn't even have a ticket in jail, meaning uh, what yeah, we like call a shot yeah, like for doing something stupid, for bringing food in to his unit from a kitchen. He has nothing. Not as a younger guy, he didn't have anything till now. With no, no evidence at all. And the worst part of it is that when they put these guys, it's like us being in a room right now. Right. Let's get our story straight. Once that was done, this case should have been tossed by that judge. What uh, Have you guys been in touch with the, the Innocence Project at all? I have, yes. And any movement? I spoke to them, but they've reached like certain cases that are specific at the time. Um, and when I did reach out to them, they weren't really doing what I, I think they're doing like parole or probation and my dad doesn't have that I see. um but i did yeah some of these organizations they meet specific like guidelines and there has to be like some eligibilities that an inmate has to have and unfortunately he doesn't have any of that i see because there's uh well we'll talk after there's you, there's a guy from 
the other podcasting, the main guy at the Innocence Project, maybe is a higher up. We could try to put them in touch. But you have every witness that was against them. I yeah. believe almost every single one of them, if it, if it is in every, recanted yeah. and said that they were forced and lied and were told to lie and threatened if they didn't lie. This isn't just you know testimony where you you know a lot of times these prosecutors bring you in right. and they debrief you and you give information and you talk. This wasn't the case. This was them colluding information, telling them, actually, in the minutes, this prosec the prosecutor actually tells a witness while he's on the stand, that's not what I told you to mm -hmm. say. It's in the minutes. That alone should have kicked this, tr this right. case out of court. Right. And for the federal government, who was very aggressive on racketeering cases, to say there's nothing here, we're not taking this case, says volumes right. of what's going on here. For you guys, what's the... Are you guys able to visit him ever? Yeah, uh, after COVID, they well, before COVID, they, like, stopped doing visitings. Um, but after COVID, like, kind of, like, slowly started dying down, we were able to go back up and start visiting him. Um, it's only about, like, up to, like, two hours. Um, from where he is from us, it's, like, four hours. So, I mean, we go try to see him as much as we can. Um, but, like I said, with COVID and stuff, they have, like, the Zoom where you could do it, like, right. through video now. Things like that. So we do more Zoom than in person because he doesn't really like us driving up that far. Just me and her, and he already knows how we drive. So <laughs> he's like, uh, I'd rather just you just do video visit for now. So we go like in person visits. I mean, we try to do it like at least like one two times a year. Okay. Yeah. We were just there to December. Yeah. Or we were there October, like recently, December. but all the other visits like every week we talk to him on Zoom and, through video. And Brianna, for you. Um, you know what if there's other people out there watching that you know have i guess i mean both of you similarly most of your life for you and and for you i guess your entire life um been in this situation what's what have been some of the the best coping mechanisms that you've been able to find that give you some peace um i would say talking about it don't don't try to keep it all in because it's never, it, it blows up eventually. Right. I used to always blame it on me. Like, um, I would always talk to my sister and be like, I believe that if I wasn't bored and he was coming to see me, that he would have still been home yeah. and I would have never taken my father away from my sister. Like, that's how I used to think about it. And Ashley sat down and talked to me and was always like, it, it would have happened regardless just because of how corrupt the system is. So I would say just keep pushing and fighting because it's it's all up to God, really. God will bring him home. So just keep praying and push through. And and, and for you, Ashley, what some of those conversations that you had with Brianna, what, what did those look like exactly? Well, when she told me that, I felt, like, so guilty just because I don't want her to think that just because she was born, that that's why my father right. went in, you know? It's not her fault. He wanted to come here, see her, mm -hmm. his daughter be born, as any father would, you know? At the end of the day, they were going to get him. And at the end of the day, no matter how far you try to run, if they want you, they're going to get you. Mm -hmm. Whether you're right or wrong. Whether they have evidence on you or not. You know, and people are like, oh, like, you're against police. I'm not against police. I'm not against any of that. I agree with the good cops and the bad cops. You have, you have to bring awareness, you know? And I honestly, like, I would 
not tell anybody like people I would just tell my dad oh my dad's on vacation or my dad's just not around like I would always like hide it but now that I'm older and I have the knowledge and the education to learn about his case and fully understand it and not just go on google and read where my dad is or what other people are saying about him or reading articles uh, about like what happens it's it's all lies it's all lies and that's how I found out that my dad was actually in jail because my family never told me. Oh, um, wow. They told me that he was on vacation and he was gonna come and go, things like that. And one day I was just curious and I looked up his name on Google and I found all the articles about the 360 ring drug bus, 440 years. And then that's when I started asking my family for questions. So how old were you when that happened? Eight years old. When you, when, well, when you went on Google? Eight years old when, uh, he was in and then I was 13 years old. Wow. So for five years, you thought he was on vacation. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And well, I mean, what's your reaction when you go on Google and you're 13? I, crazy. Uh, I just, I literally was like looking up date of births, like locations where he lived, like making sure that it matched up to it being my father. And once I seen my uncles and his cousins, and then I was like, wow, like this is unbelievable like I was completely starstruck and then once I started asking my family for questions they couldn't hide it anymore because I already knew I came with them with facts did you have resentment towards them for in a way lying but yep. you know yeah I yeah I had resentment towards my mom my grandma my grandpa just for them lying but I was young yeah. so now that I'm older I completely understand yeah. now that I have a son right. I would how do you explain that to an eight-year-old right, you know right. what I'm saying like he, and he didn't really think that he was gonna get that much time. He thought that he was just gonna, his lawyer was guaranteed that he was coming home. So I think that they thought that it wasn't gonna blow up to it being this big. And when he got that time, I don't, I don't know. If I didn't go on Google, I don't know how long they would've waited to, like, to tell me. What's, so what's your process now when it comes to figuring this whole situation out, like your day to day? So now, I mean, in today's world, I mean, it's getting crazier and crazier, and I feel like a lot more people are bringing injustice to light with not just my father's cases, just other cases. And I just feel like I can't hold my tongue back anymore and I can't be quiet. I have to bring this to light, like he said, you know? He waited until I was grown up for me to understand his case and what really happened and what was going on and things like that for me to, like he said, be his voice, and here I am today. The problem with the system is what I always say. People know I talk, pro-advocate, pro-police, pro-America, pro-veterans, but the problem is when you have an unjust system like these police officers prosecute and this judge in Chester, and they abuse the system, they ruin the system for everybody else that believes in the good police officers. They completely destroy when somebody like myself says, I believe in pro-police, when they're actively doing a job and not being biased and prejudiced towards it and, and inventing evidence and charging someone with actually, even if he was guilty, it's a 12 to 14 year sentence. Nothing like what they've done to him. They're basically shooting him in the head legally. And the system is broke because they're allowing people that are going in and out of jail that are killing people, that are armed robbering, they're, they're uh, by gunpoint hijacking cars for somebody, uh, carjacking. These are the system, the guys like him mm. that are family oriented, no violence, nowhere in his history, 
and you're keeping them and you're locking them away for 440 years because of your your own personal prejudice, your own post, personal goals of whatever you try as a as a police officer or as a prosecutor, and and all the, uh, the the police that are out there should should be angry at cops like this, should be angry at the system, and those politicians, those lawyers that are out there should look and I'm, hopefully somebody out there with a good heart wants to take this case on and look at some of what's going on here. So, what did the lawyers say now? So right now, um, we're waiting to file a second PCRA with newly discovered evidence. What's a PCRA? Um, Basically. I, yeah, I don't really know. Um, I know, so the he, our lawyer uh, filed the first PCRA, which was denied. Basically, we're arguing about effective counsel, um, double okay. jeopardy, uh, recantation, things like that. Um, they denied that. They don't really want to hear it. Um, so now we're waiting to file our second piece of with the newly discovery evidence, which is three more witnesses came forward. I, um, I created a change petition for my father just okay. with like supporters. So where can people go for that? On change.org. Uh, you can look up Oscar Lugo's sentence to 440 years. And they signed the petition yep, digitally? I, yep. Okay. And, um, I also have an Instagram justice for Oscar Lugo that the link is also in my bio. Um, when I actually created that petition and that Instagram, I've had one person reach out to me that was actually a witness, basically saying that she was threatened and taunted by these cops and basically saying that if she didn't do this and that, that she, they were going to take her kids away and things like that. She came across my page, reached out to me through Instagram and couldn't believe that my father was still even in jail or right. even in jail for this long period, for this long period of time. Um, which is what we're gonna do in court right now. Um, another witness is another, um, the lady that actually created the entire case where the detectives actually hired her to go to the organization and buy drugs and do transactions and things like that. She has no, she doesn't even know who my father is. She has no affiliation with my father. She couldn't even believe that there was other people involved in this case that actually went to jail. Um, and they did the same thing to her. Like if she did not lie and um, say that she was doing this or that, she was gonna do jail time, her family was gonna do jail time, um, and her kids were gonna be taken away as well. So what's the most effective thing that somebody listening or watching right now can do? Is it the change.org petition? Yeah, you could um, sign the change.org petition. Where are you guys at in terms, do you guys need a certain Threshold. Um, I think it's. I think right now we're almost at fifteen thousand um, okay. signers right now. I mean that's just something that I did like with myself. Um, but I know when we go back down to the lower courts, I'm gonna want to pack up that courtroom to see that there's people listening and people are aware and alert of what's going on in that county. And when when is that? Do you know? We don't have that date yet. Okay. Yeah. So you guys will they'll tell us. Well, we'll, yeah, I keep everybody updated usually on my Instagram and the change petition of what's going on with court and my father. Okay, um, John, from your, I guess expertise, if you will, what are some other ways that people could potentially help, or you know, I mean, how do you get into the right hands of? You have to reach out to the districts of. Uh, he's in Chester. You'd have to reach out to the governor, lieutenant governor. People have the ability to release them immediately. Uh, your local senators, from anybody that's listening, and ask, this is America still, and, and ask, why is this being allowed? Why is this man in prison like this 
and everybody's okay with it and just gets on with their day because it's a signature that they could sign and release him immediately for them. This guy's not in jail for one year. He's in there for over 20 years with no kind of violence at all. So I can go through case after case when I watch different TV shows and news where they're given multiple rapists, murderers, child pedophiles in and out of jail like a revolving door. And this man hasn't hurt anybody with a family who's level-headed. He's got family values. He's got religious values. He's exemplary in prison, not just at and yet there's nobody looking and saying, hey, what's going on here? What did he do to this guy? This is, inc this is really incredible what has happened to him because it has nothing to do with crime. It has nothing to do with evidence. It has to do with complete corruption on the legal system. And if you want to be part of America in the legal system and you want it to work, this can't go on. And, and so anybody that's out there listening, they need to, to make their voice heard because it could be their family member next. It could be their child next. And, you know, some of these things that happen, they slip under the rug a little bit, but this is not a case like that. This this is just like an earthquake and they see it, and yet they're still trying to cover it up. That's the problem with this case. And we'll, we'll have each of you answer this, but if a person in power is listening right now or um, a government official uh, that's watching this episode, I guess, Brianna, we'll start with you. What do you want? John, do me a favor, turn that yeah. towards her. Um, what do you want them to to know about your dad and to know about um, the effect that this has on your family? Um, my dad literally is probably one of the funniest people you'll ever meet. He cracks jokes all the time. It's It was never... I've never even seen my dad mad, like, ever. He's He's such a happy person with the circumstance he's in to be strong for us so we could be strong for him. Um, I just hope with the power you guys have and what you guys can do with it, I hope you guys do use it for good. Um, I hope you can help out and bring my dad home. I would really love that. Ashley. So... Honestly, I just hope somebody, anybody out there is listening. It's been 20 years that he's been in there, and I know he's scared to die in there. I know he is. He's basically buried alive, you know? And he's not going to live to do minimum, the 90 minimum sentence that they gave him, you know? So that's not realistic. And I remember being on trial and the judge asking me if, not asking me he was basically telling everybody that my father was a menace to society and he needs to be in jail and things like that and the judge himself even asked me if i thought my father was a menace to society and i mean it's plain as day it's black and white he's not a menace to society you know like it's it's right there like i don't know i don't know if someone has their hands involved with it still like i i, I don't know i, I kind of think a little bit crazy because I don't really trust people and trust the things that people say. So I don't know if, like I said, if they want you, they're going to get you and they're going to do anything in their power to keep you in there if they want you. So unfortunately, with the circumstances that we're in, the judge, he definitely was racist. He allowed the kick at K parade in front of the courthouse. I mean, that's plain as day. That's all over. He even made a commercial basically saying that he was the king 
of Westchester. Like, he definitely is abusing power. He definitely is abusing other people's lives and basically taking away these adults away from their families and they're not what he what he's saying that they are you know so I just hope that somebody anybody is listening out there and is willing to help my father my family to bring him home or honestly like even just to get a new trial with him like we would even be grateful just for a new trial and just to go back down and explain it to maybe a new judge and maybe they like can open their eyes and open their ears and see that it's in black and white everything is right there there is no secrets there we're not hiding anything we're not lying about anything they didn't catch him with anything there is no evidence like this is all he said she said like if we could go to jail over he said she said then that's just crazy to me just crazy they're not capable of bringing a new trial they know that the system knows that there is no evidence to bring a new trial that's why the federal government didn't take it they uh concocted the whole case there is no way to, if they came in with a new trial they'd have to drop it and say and just plea it back out to time served to save face within their their district their government of Chester so that that's never going to happen about uh, a new trial they, they want they don't have the ability to take your trial again and I don't think there's anybody that's around at this time from back then that would even They'd be embarrassed. Uh, they would hurt their career. They'd hurt their mm -hmm. reputation to bring something as corrupt back in. I also feel like they're also scared to open up this can of worms if they do agree mm -hmm. with us and say, oh, wait, this case, there's something wrong in here. You know, whoever that person's going to be, I hope you're out there and I hope you do say something and you go against maybe your coworkers or friends, whatever it is, and just make it right. You know, just make it right. I mean, I, I, I think he's did enough years, 20 years, for no crime and catch nothing. I mean, what else do you want from the guy, you know? At the I end of know. the day, the truth will always come out, regardless, God forbid, if he's here or not, it, it'll be brought to light. People can go to change.org. Yes. Search up your dad's name, Oscar yep. Lugo. They can go to the Instagram, Justice um, for Oscar Justice Lugo. John and I will obviously promote that um, everywhere, and you know we'll. Uh, there's a lot of things too that we can probably think well, of. For and people who don't know, she was speaking about some of the uh, witnesses that recanted. That spoke to a woman. I spoke to a lot of these people. I spoke to uh, the senator. I spoke to her office. So I'm very aware that they know that this case is is completely uh, illegal and I think the only thing we could do is just keep asking everybody to, to, to keep ringing the phones and ask for justice. I want to thank you guys for coming on today. I know this is not easy at all. Um, you know, I know that, and I'll give John the final word after, but, you know, I know we're praying for you guys, praying for your dad, praying for your family, and we're going to do everything that we can um, to bring light and attention. And I think this today is, is a good first step. Um, but, uh, you know, you have our support and, um, hopefully we can, we can make some change soon and, uh, I'll let you have the final word. You know, I talk to your dad, you guys know on a regular basis now and, uh, I write him, he writes me and, you know, me losing my daughter, I know the pain he's going through not having his daughters. So 
That's the biggest thing people don't realize. It's not jail. It's the the loss of family and your kids. So, you know, remember anybody who's watching this, what this torture is for him and for them, and, and try to reach out and help out. Thank you, everybody. Thank Appreciate you. that. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, of course.